Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Emily Harmon. Emily Harmon has 38 years of service to her country as both a naval officer and civilian federal employee, retiring as a member of the Senior Executive Service in May 2019. <clears throat> a trailblazer, she was in the sixth class of women to graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. Emily was the first officer on the USS Emory S. Land AS-39 to qualify as Supply Corps Service Warfare Officer. Recognized as a role model, she served as a company officer and leadership instructor at the U.S. Naval Academy. She served on an active duty for seven years and retired as a commander from the Naval Reserves. As a Department of Navy civilian, Emily served in various roles of increasing responsibility as a contracting officer. Her last assignment was Director of the um, Department of the Navy's Office of Small Business Programs, where she served as the Chief Advisor to the Secretary of the Navy on all small business matters. In this role, Emily was responsible for policy, advocacy, execution, and advice pertaining to small business programs and personal personnel throughout the Navy and Marine Corps. Emily finds deep satisfaction in helping others achieve their goals and realize their potential. As a mentor through Vitarati, she volunteers her time to help veterans and military spouses accelerate the path to career readiness, job leads, and career opportunities. Emily's the host of Onward Podcast, featuring authentic conversations on facing adversity and moving forward. She is also the founder of the Onward Movement, which is at least 10,000 people to join us on our journey to release fear of judgment and confidently move forward to pursue our dreams. We do this by connecting them to an engaged, compassionate community that offers tools, resources, and support as we bravely embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm really excited to be here. Yes, yeah, so you have had quite a career, quite an outstanding career. Uh, not many people achieve what you've achieved. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm still figuring myself out though. That's what I <laughs> wanna talk about on this podcast, the incredible life creator. Um, I don't feel like some of what I did, I don't know, maybe I did create that, but I'm creating something now that really I'm passionate about, which is fun. Yeah. Beautiful. So just so people can get to know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, where you grew up, how you started out, how you got to be doing what you're doing now. Okay, sure. I grew up uh, until second grade on a, on a farm in Stanton, Virginia, and then my parents moved to Northern Virginia in the Annandale area, the suburbs of D.C., and um, that's where I, I lived. I started playing basketball when I was young and my dad uh, really spent a lot of time uh, helping coach me in basketball. At first I hid behind the defense and never wanted the ball. <laughs> and then I ended up becoming the leading scorer in Maryland, DC and Virginia in my senior year in high school. And that led me to go into the Naval Academy. I didn't really know where I wanted to go to college. I was recruited by a lot of different schools like Ohio State, um, University of South Carolina, but I also was recruited by West Point. And so my dad's like, well, Naval Academy Annapolis is closer to where we live. He said, if you 
are interested in West Point, you might want to check out the Naval Academy. So I went to West Point, it was cold and gray and everyone was wearing gray and it was rainy. And then I went to the Naval Academy. It was one of those beautiful sunny days in Annapolis. And I liked the basketball team too, but so that's why I went there. I didn't know a lot about the military. I didn't know very much at all about the Navy or what I was getting into. So I made that decision at age 18 and I feel like it, that was a big decision in my life that shaped the next 38 years of my life, because you said, you know, I, I worked for the Navy and, the, um, you know, either as an officer or a civilian for the, until I uh, turned 56. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason I stayed through all that is, you know, I was raising kids. Um, and for a part of that time, I was a single parent. I was married to uh, um, somebody who was verbally abusive. So that was challenging. And I was a single parent. And I really didn't pursue that final job as a senior executive um, until my children were out of the house. I I helped coach their basketball teams, soccer teams, stuff like that. So then I retired in May. I, well, what happened was in um, 2014, I retired in May of 2019. So five years before I retired, I went to this event in Portland, Oregon called the World Domination Summit. And that didn't really know much about that summit. My girlfriend asked me, I'm like, sure, I'd like to go because I like that TV show Portlandia. (laughs) And I don't know if you've seen it, but I thought it was a funny show. So I wanted to see if Portland was really as weird as they say in that show. So we went there and I, I feel like that's when I met like my people. I felt like, wow, this, there's a whole nother, a whole different lifestyle besides working for the Navy that I hadn't even had time to look up and think about or consider because I was so busy being single parent. I had challenges raising my kids. You can hear about that in my onward podcast episodes. The most popular one is with my son, a mother and son's discussion on addiction and recovery. Um, So I just had such a tough time raising my kids and being a single parent and then, but still succeeding at work that I hadn't really thought of other lifestyles, you know, like what do I want to do for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I mean by uh, different kinds of living, it was people that were travel hackers, couch surfers, you know, that podcast hosts, coaches. Um, and so that put a little spark in me that made me start thinking for the next five years, like what I wanted to do. And then that led me to deciding at my minimum retirement age, which was age 56, I am done. I don't want to wear high heels anymore. I don't want to report to work at a certain time. I want to work from home. I want to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I did. I think for, it was a freeing, freeing kind of freeing decision, but then, then we can get into it. I also had to figure out who I was and what kind of life I wanted to create. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So, um, Just for people who don't know, what is the purpose of the World Domination Summit? The World Domination Summit is mainly uh, started by a guy named Chris Gillibo, who at the age of, I don't know, some young, crazy age of 30-something, had traveled to every country. It's for people who want to live more of a non-conventional life, you know, in a conventional world, you know, just different lifestyles. And they want to give back to their community. They're very big in giving back to the community and supporting each other. Um, It was just, you know, most of the people that go to the World Domination Summit are not people that have been or are in the military. So it was like 
different kind of of people that I've been around. And I just felt like they were my people. Not that the military wasn't, but I kind of felt more at home. I was like, this is this is the lifestyle I want for right. me. That's amazing that you discovered that during know. the time. Really. I know. But so one thing too, I, I, you know, one year I went, I've been four times and one year I went and right after I went, I had to go speak at a big um, government contracting event in Chicago. And I said, you know, that most, a lot of people, not most, a lot of people at the World Domination Summit are like really frustrated, not all of them, but some of them, very frustrated that they're not in a job that brings meaning. They you know, maybe our work, their podcasting or their coaching is like a side hustle that they want to have, have turn into something big, but they're not there yet. And I feel like, and what I said to the group of government contractors and government employees at this conference is, we're very fortunate in that we have meaning in our work. I mean, we're supporting the defense of this country and democracy and, and things like that. So I feel very thankful that I was able to serve my country for that long and that my job had meaning. I mean, I was buying um, helicopters for the Navy at one point. I was helping small businesses figure out how they can get in and sell their products or services to support the Navy and the Marine Corps. So it was a meaningful job, which was, I was very, I feel very fortunate to have had. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. So Let's talk a little bit about your journey to finding yourself. So you go to this world domination, you see a totally different perspective of all the wonderful possibilities there are. Because yeah, I hadn't even dreamed of. of. Yeah, all these possibilities and you're thinking, oh, who am I and where am I going or what do I want? So how did that start? How did that thought process start? Well, kind of life happens. You know how it is. You go to a class, a training class. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to implement all this when I get back after my week of being away. Right. And uh, my life is going to be so much better. And then you forget about it and you go back and you fall back into your ways. Right. Uh, so that's what happened to me several times. And in fact, I kept looking for, you know, what's the next step? The next logical step for me is I'm going to get, I want to get a promotion. So I was, I was, my kids were out of the house and I applied for that senior executive position, which is, was the equivalent of a two-star, you know, office like general or admiral. And um, I got it and I go, and I had to move to D Washington DC, which was cool. And I lived right by Nat state, the nationals baseball stadium. And I walked to work and it was just awesome. I, it was a fun job, but I was traveling all the time and that got tiring you know, not being home, I wasn't able to take care of the health, my health in the way I wanted. It was a stressful job, probably a lot of it brought on by me, but it was, you know, still a stressful job. And um, at one point, what happened is um, I could have taken another job too. I could have stayed in, I didn't have to retire. But at one point, my office was moved to the Pentagon, which is where it should have been. I was the one who moved it. Um, and I had to commute. And so I had to use the metro to get into work and I started listening to podcasts mm -hmm. and that I started listening to podcasts hosted by people that had been to world domination summit mm -hmm. so I started to really infuse that 
new way of living and thinking into my lifestyle as I was doing the commute. And as I was doing the commute and seeing everyone with their headphones in with just this grim look on their face, I felt like, you know, just, okay, I go down, down the elevator from my apartment, walk over to the Metro, get on the Metro, you know, go up the escalator. Once I get to the Pentagon, go to my office, do my work, come home. I got tired of it. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I see these people at coffee shops sitting there with their computer and doing work. And I'm like, I want to, I want to have a schedule that is um, that I determine and, mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think that 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 commute to the Pentagon when listening to podcasts really helped me think. So I listened to like Kathy Heller, who hosts Don't Keep Your Day Job. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Pat Flynn, who hosts Smart Passive Income. So I ended up saying, well, I, I think maybe I'll start a podcast because in my last job, I, when I was traveling all over, what I did was speak. I was speaking all over the country about how to do business with the Navy and the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. But one of the things, so I learned speaking because I'm an introvert and I was, when I first got those small business jobs, I was terrified. I didn't want to, I was, didn't want to be on a stage speaking and then it didn't bother me. I could speak in front of 2000 people and it was fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I, what I really missed too was I felt like I was just so busy and rushing and I missed having real conversations with people you know like we're having now yeah. I, I i miss wanting to understand people get to know people and so it just kind of gradually happened that i thought well i'm going to start a podcast myself and i was talking to this one guy who had interviewed me on his small business podcast and i said you know what i'm going to do is once i retire in may about three or four months later, I'm going to post my first episodes. He goes, well, Emily, you could post your first episodes on the day you retire. So, you know, I'm an overachiever. So <laughs> what did I do? The day I retired, I post seven episodes. They oh, say you should God. post like three, you know, but I wanted to post seven to give people an idea of the variety of the kinds of discussions I'd have. Mm -hmm. So I had set up a website. I had take while I was still doing my other job, I had set up a website. I had taken a course on copy and how to, you know, write things on your website. Mm -hmm. I'm still working on improving that. And I had taken a podcasting course. I figured out how to do it. Got my artwork done through Fiverr. You know, I figured out all the things that I needed to do. And the day after I retired or the day of whatever, I, around then, you know, my seven episodes published. And so I'm like, I'm so excited to start living life on my own terms, but I, I guess God, the universe didn't want that. So what happened is I retired on May 31st, June 19th, I moved out of DC down to Stanton, Virginia, which is where I lived mm -hmm. into a condo that I had bought and I had gotten it remodeled and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then um, I went, that was June 19th. Then I flew out and went to the World Domination Summit and while I was out there, my daughter called me and she's like, and I was, you know, I'm divorced, but my daughter's like, mom, dad's got cancer. And so I flew back, spent the 4th of July weekend with him. And by the 16th of July, he was paralyzed in both arms from his cancer. It was, it had, it was um, renal cell carcinoma. It was in his kidney. And then it had his whole C5 vertebrae was a tumor. So my life was upended again. My daughter was going to live with me in Stanton. She ended up moving back, you know, living with him. And his, he was engaged at the time, helping his fiance care for him. There was a lot of times I went up, like his fiance's 
um, daughter had a baby, so she wanted to go visit. So I would go up and take care of Bruce. Mm -hmm. And it was just awful um, seeing somebody die. And he died on December 11th. And, um, you know, I have, I have his files here. I, I was the executor of the estate. And just going through his files and seeing all of his notes and plans for retirement. He was 64. He hadn't retired yet. But he had plans. And he didn't get to live those plans. He didn't get... He didn't get to do it at all. And he had like 30 years as a colonel in the army, um, some of it reserves, and then he worked for the Navy too. So it's just like, even though he was verbally abusive and a jerk, he was, you know, he's very nice <laughs> the last six months of his life. And I, and I still miss him and I still cry about him. And I did a lot of episodes about um, grief and I ended up helping my kids through that as best I could. And, um, so I really didn't get to start really, I did get episodes of my podcast done. I never missed a Monday, but I really didn't get to start working on my business until um, April or March or April when COVID hit of this year. Mm -hmm. When I say my business, I do coaching and consulting. So initially, so one of the things as I'm creating my life, it's like, I still need to figure out who am I? Because I mean, I was talking to somebody else that I was coaching the other day and she's like, Emily, I want to retire. I've got 41 years in the government and I feel like I've been chained and I'm going to, the chains are going to be cut free and I don't even know who I am or what I want to do. And I thought, wow, I'm not alone in, in the way I feel about this because I'm still like those days. I'm like, I guess I could have gone hiking today, but it didn't even occur to me. I'm just working, <laughs> you know, I'm just not used to being retired. So, um, I guess what I would say is then I, I started thinking, well, I want to do some kind of a, a movement like to help people find their authentic selves because that's the journey I'm on and I have been on and I'm learning so much more about myself, learning so much more about my authentic self, why I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I started the Onward Movement. And some people, Onward Movement's a Facebook group and you can put a link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Some people in the armor movement already already have figured it all out, but a lot of people haven't. And I'm gonna start a coaching program to help people figure it out, like I am. Mm -hmm. And probably um, it would be aimed at single women in their 50s, 60s, transitioning, and don't even know who they are because they've been moms, and, mm -hmm. you know, everything, professionals, and everything else. So there, there's so many people like that. You know, we have our responsibilities of taking care of our family, making sure there's food on the table and, you know, uh, money for schools or whatever for so long that, you know, we put our own desires aside. And then finally we get a chance to actually start seeing, okay, what do I want? And we don't know what we want. Don't even know how to dream about what we want. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. And it yeah. is a process. Yes. Mm -hmm. But what's exciting is what is like a butterfly, you know, being born out of the cocoon, you know, or, or coming out of the cocoon and there has to be some struggles. So I was in a class the other day and a conscious manifestation class and someone explained that they had these butterflies in her son's classroom and some of the kids helped the butterflies come out and those butterflies didn't make it. They have to do that struggle on their own. Mm -hmm it strengthens their wings and helps them be free. And mm -hmm. yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that, that's how most things are. There, there is a struggle and, or at least a learning curve. 
yeah. you know, something where you have to learn something new and you also have to take risks. Mm-hmm. You also have to be able to move forward even when you f- you're fearful or yes. don't know what you're walking into. Right. And just because I've done what I've done doesn't mean I've never been afraid. I'm scared every day about like the next step. It's, you know, like it's something new, you know, doing my podcast. I mean, it might seem like, you know, you started a podcast. It might seem like, oh, you know, she did it. I can't. Yes, you can, but you have to, you have to just keep going. You have to not give up. So many people give up. I've heard that a lot of people publish seven episodes and then they stop. A lot of people stop after a certain number of episodes. Sometimes it's after seven. Sometimes it's after 50. Sometimes it's after hundred. Sometimes it's after 300. Yeah. Have you ever gone and listened to a podcast and you, you're like, this is so good, this is so good, and then you run out? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and this person hasn't posted in two years, and you're like, <laughs> oh, man, this was really good. <laughs> well, at some point, I am going to stop. I don't want to be podcasting when I'm 90, but, you know, for I'm gonna, I plan on keep going for a while. I love talking to the guests. Exactly. I'm going to put a shameless plug in here right now. Um, I actually am going to be teaching a podcasting course. Oh, cool. September. So anybody that's interested in actually learning how to do this, um, I've done over a hundred and they're a lot of fun as uh, Emily will tell you. It's, yes. It's, I, I, I can't help myself. I'm so excited doing podcasts. And, yeah. You know, well, someone might say, Oh, but there's so many out there. Who's going to find me? There are how many people in this world? 7 billion. Mm-hmm. There's going to be people that will find your podcast. That's, and guess what? They won't find it if you don't do it. That's right. And also you have a special message. Yeah. A special message that's unique to you that someone needs to hear. Yes. And they won't hear it if you don't put it out there. Right. So you're... and you know, you're doing the world a disservice if you don't put it out there because there's people out there that need, you know, my coach that helped me with starting the onward movement. He's like, the way he looks at it is every day, there's at least 10,000 people in this world crying silent tears because they need what you have. They're looking for what you have and they can't find you. Mm-hmm. And you, if you start this movement and there's so many people uh, that are looking and now with the internet, it's easier for people to find you. Mm-hmm. That is true. So and COVID. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. People are listening to podcasts more and more and more. So yeah. Just expanding so much. So um, since you started the onward podcast and the onward movement, what are kind of the kind of, uh, what are some of the experiences you've had or you've heard um, comments from people? Um, what's, what's kind of challenging sometimes when you podcast, you're sitting there, we're talking, but we don't know who actually is going to listen. So look, if you're listening out there, uh, give Kimberly a comment, give her a review, message her, contact her on LinkedIn, tell her she's doing a great job because um, those reviews are really important. So that's one of, of, of my experiences. And then sometimes it's so cool to just run into somebody that I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I ran into somebody at a conference He's like, I listened to the episode with so-and-so and it just really helped me out. And that felt so good. Yeah. That feels so good. And, yeah. and that's the only reason that I do this. If, if one person is, their life is better, it's yeah. worth it just for that yeah. one person. Yeah. Right. 
And I've interviewed, so on mine, it's um, authentic conversations on facing adversity and moving forward. Why did I pick that? Is I guess because of all the adversity I've been through, I've always been interested in like, I don't want it to be negative. I want it to be like, how do you get through it? How could you help somebody else? And even if you haven't been through the same adversity as that person, you can see that there's key things. Mm -hmm. Number one, most of the people on my podcast they knew where they were at the time when they faced this adversity and they also knew where they wanted to go for example i've interviewed three people with spinal cord injuries they knew they were told you're never walking again and they all decided no we're walking again mm -hmm. one person it took 18 years the other person mm -hmm. um and is my roommate from college's daughter who's on the paralympic cycling team so mm -hmm for the US. So, you know, the other thing that I like is with my podcast, it's just everyday people that I know, you know, that I interview. And, and if, if somebody's listening and wants to be on the podcast, they, they can, if they have a story they want to tell, but it's not like famous people. So you're not sitting there thinking, well, of course that person can do it. They're a rich movie star. No, it's just people like us. So they all knew where they were, where they wanted to go with the challenge that they were facing. Mm -hmm. They all asked for help. And especially with veterans, sometimes veterans don't ask for help because we're just taught to be so self-sufficient and, you know, I guess work as a team, but, you know, asking for help, you know, isn't something we're taught. You just got to you know, get through things. So they all ask for help. Um, and then the next thing is they're all persistent. They just didn't give up. They didn't give up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you, you know, just like, People might look at you and be like, oh, you've, Kimberly's got it all together and or Emily's got it all together, but they don't see our feet flapping under the water. That's you know, right. We're working hard. <laughs> yes. We're working hard. We don't always have it all together. And that's something that I, that I thought when I was more junior in the military. Like, oh, I remember at the Naval Academy, sitting in chemistry class or whatever, looking across the Severn River, seeing these big houses and thinking, oh those people don't have a care in the world. They've got it all together. Mm -hmm. No, they have this, you know, or then thinking about the more senior people above me. Mm -hmm. And no, everybody has challenges and issues. It's your attitude and whether you ask for help and, you know, you, you can all get through it. So I think listening to the Onward podcast, I'm hoping is um, inspiring for, for a lot of people. and helps them figure out, oh, if she can do that, I can apply that in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and speaking of, um, I don't know about adversity, but something I think would be very difficult. So when you were in the Navy, you were in a totally male-dominated space. Yeah. You want to talk about that and how you um, navigated yeah. that? Yeah, we were in the sixth class of women to graduate. There was only a, about 72, I think, women in my class out of 1,200 people um in my in the class of 1985 um i think that it was in some ways easier on me because i was an athlete so i had a sports team that i could hang out with and there was some camaraderie there mm -hmm. and i had also when i was playing basketball when i was in high school i played against guys all the time so i knew how to get along with the guys but still we weren't welcome okay we were called we had an a, a uniform called um, Wuba working uniform blue alpha but the women were called Wubas women used by all or 
women with big asses. And it's just, you know, um, it was, it was, it was challenging and there was time there, you know, there's, there were definitely men there that were supportive, but you know, for the most part, no, um, you know, just think about it. They're 18 year old, 19 year olds. They're influenced by the senior class. Um, they're influenced by their parents. You know, the t back in that time, you know, people didn't think women should be allowed to go to the military academies. Mm -hmm. And now so much has changed. Women can be SEALs if they can qualify. They can serve on submarines. They can serve on aircraft carriers. When I was in, I could only serve on two different kinds of ships back then. Um, so there were a lot of firsts. So people like me and, and others in my class were trailblazers for, for yeah. the people that followed, you know, so that was kind of cool. It was hard. And I think sometimes even, even when I was, you know, um, w working as a civilian uh, for the Navy, a lot of times I was the only woman in the room. Um, um you know in meetings where we were buying the the h60 helicopter things like that so you just gotta um you know it's probably too that i don't realize everything you know like somebody told me it's kind of like if you're used to being at 1400 feet or 14,000 feet you know you get used to that elevation but you don't really realize how much you had to struggle to get there. I don't know. So it's, it's hard for me to appreciate everything. I mean, the first class of women went through so much. They, they had to get their hair cut as short as the men. They had to, when they were marching, they only had high heels. So they had to cut their heels off for their uniform shoes so that they could march in the, in the grass. I mean, there's just so many things for that first class of women. Um, I wouldn't change my life. I wouldn't, you know, everything that hopefully most people listening would say that the challenges that they face made them who they are mm -hmm. today. Yeah. So I'm just curious. So if you, you're going to be the only woman in the room and in a, a gathering, a meeting or whatever, what did you do from an emotional standpoint to actually get yourself ready to walk into that room and to hold your space and not let anyone knock you? because you're a woman part of it is i'm tall i think that helps i'm five feet eleven five foot eleven so i and then i will wear you know heels so i'm you know about as tall as a lot of the guys and i have an air of confidence about me doesn't mean i'm always confident but you know so that's it and get your seat at the table if you are you know are are somebody that's supposed to be in that meeting don't a lot of times the women go and sit around the edges you know when really they the, and the and the men that are sitting at the table have as important a job or maybe even less as important of the position, you know, if you look at positions and the rankings and what the job is, than the women that are sitting at the edges. So go in there and sit at the table mm -hmm. and speak your mind. You have to know your stuff. You have to, you know, I we always had to know our stuff and then some, I mean, we had to work extra hard and that's probably the way it is now in certain career fields. Um, you've just got to work extra hard. You've got to know, you've got to be professional and you've got to know what you're talking about and you, and you need to speak up with confidence. I remember once even at a, um, at a meeting when I was, when I was very, when I was a senior executive, it was a meeting with the undersecretary of the Navy and there was a admirals at the table. I was at the table. 
probably 12 people at the table, maybe 14. And I remember I wanted to speak up and say something. And I said, excuse me. And I said, excuse me, at the same time as an admiral spoke up. Now that admiral was closer to in, in, at the table to the undersecretary than me, but it was just interesting. He started making his point. I said, excuse me. And the next time I needed to make a point, I just made my point. Because mm -hmm. women are like, excuse me, sorry, um, may I mind if I say something? No, just say it. Just say it. Yeah. You have every right to say it as everyone else. It was so cool. One woman was telling me a story. She's a very, she was like the three-star admiral equivalent. And she was at this meeting that she had called, but I guess this one guy didn't know it. So it's at the Pentagon and they're all kind of sitting around waiting for the meeting. And, and this guy's like, uh, do you know where the coffee is? Can you get me some? So she went and got him coffee. <laughs> and then when the meeting uh, happened and she sat at the head of the table, <laughs> he about died. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that too. Guys <laughs> sitting there a little worried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, so do I. That is awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Really great. And then um, you said you raised your kids so um you were married you had kids and then that wasn't working out so you got divorced so how long were you a single parent yeah i got divorced um when my son was seven and my daughter was four um that was back in 2000 um, i was a single parent for like six years and i had to leave i uh he was verbally abusive and everything and you know but the sad thing is is that is that even though I couldn't leave for me, I ended up leaving when it, I could see it was impacting the kids. Mm -hmm. That's what made me, have, I had to leave. And um, so I was a single parent for six years and then I remarried. But I'd say that I really didn't know myself when I remarried. And the other, the other thing is he had three kids, I had two. So we combined, we had five teenagers. Our two boys started doing, drugs and getting into some trouble um and before that happened he, right after we got married he went to Iraq for like 16 months he was gone and I didn't have his kids with me they were with their mom but they were close by so it was really hard to blend the family together you know we just had a lot of things against us you know <laughs> that love didn't overcome it was hard to blend the family together we had five teenagers it was just it was just it was just tough and he's the nicest person and that's why I fell in love with him and married him because he's such a nice guy and I wasn't used to that mm -hmm. but I think that I still didn't love myself and that's what I've really been working on and um, since we got divorced in 2013 so I was married to him like six or seven years so since then, that's what I've been really working on is figuring out who I am and, and, and loving myself, which I do. I can say that I do now. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And um, so as your, um, what are some of your goals as far as the onward, um, 
movement. Movement. So you're just really starting out, but I, I think you have a very big vision of what it's going to be. I do. I do. Um, and sometimes I get scared and think, oh, I don't know if I can accomplish it. Maybe I should just retire. I don't have to work. I have retirement income. But um, so my goal is right now, the Onward Movement is a, is a Facebook community. It's more than it's a group. And, you know, I'm trying to have it be, and I think it is more than a group where, you know, I want it to be an engaged group of people that start to feel like family. They get to know one another. So one of the things that we've been doing is having like, I'll set up a coffee chat, like sometimes on a Saturday morning, or we have like a happy hour. And sometimes it's only like, we have about 900 people in the group. Mm -hmm. And sometimes only five to 10 people show up for these, but it's cool because I can, it's a zoom call and you see a lot of connections happening and people really get to know one another and you see friends being made. And eventually we want to get together on retreats. Um, and then the other thing is, is that there's a journey I would like to take people on in the onward movement. And I have a roadmap for that journey. And it's a journey of, finding really your voice, your authentic self. And it starts with like exploring an introspection back from when you were a kid, you know, and, and what impacted your life. And there's so many different steps through all of that, things that I've gone through that I want to help others go through. Um, and at the end, uh, you win an onwarder award because I call everybody in the group onwarders. Mm -hmm. But in order to win that award, you're going to have to go either live in the Facebook group or on my onward podcast and mm -hmm. share what you learned uh, about your authentic self and what you learned about you. Uh, so I have a plan for, for, for doing that. Um, some of you can do it on your own, but mm -hmm. there's also going to be like, um, a coaching course that I'm going to be developing that could be, would be paid and you can do it in a group. Like I'm developing this onward movement in a group. I have a coach. I have other, I'm in a group with other people who are developing movements or creating tribes around something they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I'm learning so much because some of them are a few steps ahead of me. Some are behind me. They make a comment. I learned. So I can only imagine how much we can all learn together about discovering our authentic selves by being in a, in a community of people that are doing it, you know, posting their homework, doing little things, you know, every night or once a week, you know, give them a little bit of homework and discovering their authentic selves. I think it's going to be so cool. I can't wait to, to start that. Um, probably started in um, November um, where I'll do like a free, a couple of free challenges. Um, to give people an idea of what it's like to work like work with me and then there'll be like a seven day or 10 day challenge and then I'm thinking that the actual coaching um, forming a separate group of people who really want to do this with a group of people would happen after the new year you know take Christmas off and then after the new year we get started in it so that's my goal that sounds wonderful so just a personal question, when, what gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life at this point? Helping other people. Mm -hmm. Having my freedom, finding my freedom and discovering that and just figuring out what I'm figuring out. It's like, it wouldn't be fair if I didn't share it with other people who were in the same situation um, as I was a year ago or whatever. Um, 
So it gives me, I get joy out of helping others. So if people wanted to find your Facebook group or find you, how can they contact you or what's your website? Just tell all the places they can find you. Sure. Um, my name, Emily Harmon, H-A-R-M-A-N, and you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, my website is emilyharmon.com. I'm working on updating it, but it's there right now. My about story, one of the things I've done is the about me page is kind of military written. And so I'm like, I want to put feeling back into the writing. And so I hired a coach to help me. She's pulling it out of me. She's not doing it for me. She's pulling my, me, my about out of me. So that'll be updated in a month. Um, and then you can find the Onward Movement Facebook group. If you just go to groups and uh, search on Onward Movement, it will come up. There's also a page for the Onward Podcast, and uh, there's an Instagram page for the Onward Podcast. I kind of combine them, Onward Podcast, Onward Movement, but that's where you can find me. So Wonderful. Well, thank you for being on the podcast today, and thank you for all your years of service. Uh, I, I so appreciate that, and I just uh, honor and, and admire anyone who, who puts that much you know, time and and dedication to our country because it's so important right now and I still want to keep making America great. So thank you so much for your service and sure. thank you for sharing your heart here on the podcast. Sure. Thank you, Kimberly. I really enjoyed it. It was great to, to meet you. Yes. So I have one last question before we get off. Mm -hmm. What is your best advice on living an incredible, amazing life? knowing yourself. You can't live, it's very hard to live an incredible, amazing life and to, unless you know what you want and know yourself, Beautiful. your authentic self. Thank you so much, Emily. All right. Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay.